0: It was, it was exciting when you first gave your life to God or it was exciting when you first got baptized Or you were first excited about the things of God because you knew He was real and you felt Him and some of you guys today in worship can't feel that fire you're just dried out and it's not the Lord's fault the Bible says the Lord is an all-consuming fire His fire never goes dry you never hear about a fire running dry that doesn't make sense we've become dry so we need God to just come and fill us up again. To open up the floodgates of heaven. Let it fall out His Holy Spirit. Cool, and if that's you and you're feeling dry in this place, just place your hand over your heart right now. You may be going through things in life. God knows where you're at. and I tell you right now, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. Just believe it today. That when you first got saved, he the same guy that got you excited. That when he gave you a new life, he promised it. And then you were feeling it. He's still here today. I just want us to just take this time and just get rid of those hindrances, those obstacles. And then we're going to sing this song like we never sang it before. But right now, let's just get rid of these things in our lives. Come on. Whatever it may be, you may have a, a struggling marriage with. Just finances, the lack of faith. Build it up in this place. And I'm on my Come on, right now. We prepare our hearts for worship. We prepare our hearts. We prepare our hearts, oh Lord. Help me back down from here, oh Lord. Fill my heart, fill my heart, fill my empty heart, Lord. Fill my empty heart. I can't become too busy. Lord, I need to make time for you, I make this time for you, Lord, fill my heart, come on, fill my heart, oh Lord, you are
1: just one touch from you all I need is one touch just one touch just one touch from you all I need is one touch just one touch just one touch from cool and all I need is one touch just one touch just one touch from you and all I need is one touch just one touch just one touch from you and all I need is one touch. Just one touch, just one touch from you And all I need is one touch Just one touch Push it out All I need is one touch And all I need is one touch Just one touch Just one touch one touch from you All I need is one touch Just one touch Just one touch from you And all I need is one touch Just one touch Just one touch from you all I need is one touch, just one touch, just one touch from you. And all I need is one touch, just one touch, just one touch from you, God. All I need is one touch, just one touch, just one touch from you. Come on, would you
2: think of a miracle you need today in your life? And just as we sing it one more time, would you place your faith in God and receive that miracle today? Today's message is going to be on faith, but let's get into faith right now. The Bible says that according to God's words, by by His stripes you are healed. So anybody sick today, one touch, and you're healed in Jesus' name. The Bible says in His presence is the fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. You need joy today? Just one touch. Come on, sing it out one more time.
1: One touch, just one touch from we put you. our faith in you God one touch, Jesus. Jesus. One touch, just
2: one touch from you, is one touch, just one touch from you. hallelujah if you believe it can you give the lord a hand clap of praise hallelujah shout of victory Jesus, hallelujah, I just welcome you to a church that loves Jesus, would you just stretch your hands for a few more moments, it's a sign of worship, a sign of surrender, just closing your eyes, not to be distracted, this is why we do these things, come on, when the king would come into a city, they would raise up their hands, we see this in concerts today, but let's do it for God. And just raise up your hands, and right now, 30 seconds, give them glory. Come on, tell them thank you with your lips right now. Come on, even before you see another miracle, come on, thank Him, thank Him. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done, all the times that you've touched our lives, all the times you've been faithful. Oh, God, you are so good. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for your word, oh, God we thank you for your never-ending love come on thank god for your family today thank god for your freedom today thank god for your health today come on we thank you jesus we thank you jesus we praise you lord you've been so good you never leave us you never forsake us You're always with us, even unto the ends of the world. You're always with us. You're always with us. Come on, just as the music plays, you can stay in that attitude of prayer. But if somebody hears a word in their heart, we believe in prophecy. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit here. If anybody has a word, let the Lord speak and use you today. In the name of Jesus. Oh, we're people of Your Spirit. Come on, if that's for anybody today, just raise your hands and taste and see that God is good. For those of you that have a a stomach full of bitterness in your life today, God is saying He wants to bring you sweet things. Come on, even though some of you are new to our church, let me explain what's going on. Don't miss this. We believe that God can speak to us, okay? Just like He did in Bible days. We believe that. And so God was speaking to some of you saying, You feel bitter things in life. You feel hurt in life. But He wants to bring you joy and sweet things. If that's you, just raise your hands. And I'm just going to pray. Sweet things in your life. Joy. It's not make-believe. It's real. You'll sense God here. Come on. If you need joy, just raise your hands. Right now. Joy. Joy. Come right now. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Every tear you've cried, God has bottled it up in a, in a bottle of remembrance. He hasn't forgot. He knows your pain. He's not saying forget about what's happened. He's just saying let me heal what's happened. He's not saying what they did was okay. What He's saying is He's going to make you feel okay. Right now, joy in your soul. Joy down deep inside. Joy that the world can't take away. Receive it in this house right now. Jesus. Jesus just one touch one touch come on is there anybody else that has a word today for this congregation anything that would come from your your heart that God is speaking Jesus It's a word of repentance. If there's anybody here that's that's sinning or you're doing things that you're ashamed of, God is saying He sees those things and He wants to forgive you of those things. Do you know what Adam and Eve did the first time they sinned? They ran naked and hid behind a bush and ran from God. And then they made things to cover themselves made of just fig leaves, vines, vines, And isn't that what we do today when we make mistakes? We try to run from God. And then we try to cover up our life with just these fig leaves, you know, our education, our busyness. We try to point out to God, well, look at all the other good things I do. Look at all these other things. My friends, those things are just fig leaves. God sees right through you. It doesn't matter if you're following nine out of the ten commandments. You break one of them, you're a lawbreaker according to God. Come on, you know what that you know it's true. somebody commits murder, they stand before the judge, they admit it, yes, I'm a murderer, but I've done all these good deeds all my life. they don't let off the murderer. So many times we think of God the same way. Well God, I pray, I read my Bible, I go to church, don't worry about the pornography, don't worry about the lying to my spouse, Don't worry about the jealousy, the slander, Don't worry about the envy, the bitterness, the things that I hold in my heart towards my enemy because I do all of this. No, God is saying He wants the whole heart clean. 100%. If that's you today, you want the heart to be totally clean. Let's just keep moving with what God's saying. Just raise your hand now for this prayer and just say, God, cleanse me. Just cleanse me, Lord, and just begin to repent of that individual sin or those many sins. Just say, Lord, forgive me of blank and fill in the blank today. Lord, forgive me of anger, perversion, there is healing. One touch. One touch is all you need today. We'll transform you. Come on, we're going to sing it again as some of you are just repenting and others are still just receiving that joy. Come on, just one touch. Let's sing it out. Whoa, oh, one touch. Jesus. Yes, God. There's one touch. Just one touch. Just one touch. Come on, if you're receiving joy today, receive it. If you're receiving forgiveness you. jesus or if you're hungry for more touch, jesus sing it out one touch one touch just one, one touch one touch, one touch from, you. from you oh god all i need is one touch just one touch, just one, touch one more time everybody you. sing all I need, I need is one touch, touch. Just one touch, just one touch from you. And all I need is one touch, just one touch, just one touch from you. Amen. If that's you, just say hallelujah and let's bless him. Amen. 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 Slap your neighbor high five and say hallelujah if you can. I don't want you to greet as we normally do, so I'm just going to ask you in an attitude of prayer, please, just to be seated. It's so good to see you here this morning. You are filling up this second service. At first, second service was the biggest. Now first service is the biggest. And today, I think we're just about tied. Come on, somebody. God is doing it. We went to two services in April. We're just about there right now. But I want to tell you about something that means so much to me. That words cannot express. I just need you to understand this. I want to start with the picture, Ellie. I want to put the picture up first. There is an infanticide in our nation. The death of unborn children is what infanticide is. To kill unborn children. Over 40 million children have been killed by the hands of doctors in American abortion clinics. This is the example of an 11-week baby. You can see the fingers. You can see the feet. You can see the limbs. The head is missing is because they go in and they suck it out. This is an abortion baby. Our church is appalled by this. We believe our God is grieved by this. The first thing that Nazi Germany did, what Hitler did, was to get the the German people to not believe that the Jewish people were citizens. That's the first thing that the slave owners did, is they got the people to believe that the slaves, the black people, didn't have souls. And that was the first thing that began to happen. It crept in through evolution. And we don't have time to argue. I'm not going to argue with you today. If you do have a different opinion, I'll meet you after service. But this is how it crept in. We just evolved from animals. Life is not valuable. And as that lie crept in, abortion in the 70s was made legal in our country. You know how many children have died according to abortion statistics? 40 million children. That's over a million babies a year. And I'm not ashamed to talk about it on Sundays, okay? So I appreciate you here today, but you might say, Pastor, this is too political for me. No, this is moral, my friends, and we will talk about it. Amen? These children are aborted without a voice, and people make all kinds of excuses, and they make all kinds of lies to support this abomination. Some people say, well, what about rape? Well, I was at Jenny and Otto's wedding, and we're going to give them a hand clap and celebrate the wedding but in the seriousness of this moment just you'll give them a hand clap they got married amen praise god we had to welcome you i was going to welcome you later but jenny is was there did we not meet a young girl that her mother was raped and that she was placed up for a uh, uh, she was going to be aborted but the the family the christian family the teachers stopped it and told her her mom to get uh, adoption did we hear that story This woman is beautiful, beautiful young lady, very talented, very gifted. Because I was talking about adoption to Jenny and Otto at their wedding reception at the rehearsal dinner. And she said, I was adopted. My mom came home from a bar and a man raped my mom. And she was so ashamed and she was going to have me aborted. But her teachers were Christians and said, don't do it. Have the child, place it for adoption. And she said, I'm so glad they did. People say, what about rape? Let me tell you, what about rape? You punish, you torture. You do this to the person who does the raping, not to the baby. It's not the baby's fault. Are you listening to me? You don't torture the baby. You don't hurt the baby. Life comes from God. Until you can make it, my friends, it still comes from God. Are you listening to me? And even if you do make it, you're using the brain he gave you to make it. But let me say, God gives life. So some people say, well, what about rape? Well, what about rape? We have the child. The mother's not ready. We'll take care of the children. We'll help the children. Second thing, people say, well, what about sickness? What what about Crohn's disease? What about these children that come out with mental retardation? My friends, you want to start killing people with mental retardation? Why don't you start now in the hospital then? Do you know that Hitler began to kill grown adults? It's called euthanasia. He started killing the mentally handicapped, the older people, the sick. He said they don't deserve life. Who is it for us to decide that a sick or, uh, or handicapped person doesn't deserve life? My friends, God gives that life and they deserve their life. Amen. So sometimes people say, well, what about rape? And what about the baby being sick? Let me give you the statistic. 1 out of 100 abortions come with that in mind. The other 99 times, that means there'll be 1,000 abortions, about 1,000 abortions every day, 990 of them. You know what they're coming from? Birth control, people with selfishness. And somebody says, well, it's my body. I'll do with it what I want. Well, yes, in America, you can do with your body. You can cut yourself. You can do whatever you want. But you know what? That's not your body. That is another person's body. And that's why when you kill that body, your body keeps living. So the mother does not have a choice to do with somebody else's body what she wants to do. Otherwise, why can't parents kill their children right now? Hello? If mothers have permission to kill children, why can't they do it right now? Because it's not your body. Now, let me just explain to you, this used to be common sense to our culture, it used to be common sense, but it's not common sense anymore. We've lost our conscience. Our conscience used to guide us and tell us this is wrong. This is not right. I posted two videos on my Facebook that came from the first service and I'll tell you the, about them. These are first term abortions, first trimester, my baby in my side, my mother, uh, my wife's womb is this age right now, by 11 weeks. I couldn't imagine doing that to my children. But they have this thing called partial birth abortion, and it's overseas a lot more than it is here. And I have a video of a partial birth abortion survivor because they actually take the baby out and and suffocate it and kill it after it's already out of the womb, fully living. A a woman has survived this because she was in the garbage, and a nurse found her and took her and delivered her. It's like a story of Moses. It's on my website, on the Facebook. You can see it. Partial birth birth abortion has been legal in this country To even kill a baby that could live outside of the womb And then the other thing that we don't even understand Is that these mothers that have these abortions So many of them deal with guilt and shame For years and years and years Because they begin to realize it was murder My friends, we need to stop this whole calamity and so we're going to ask you today to pray with us and to join with us because there is a group here in Chicago called Charis, which means in Greek, it's, it's grace. And tomorrow they have a banquet. We've already reserved a table. It's $400 for the table. We're going to receive an offering to cover that. First service has already done more than enough, but we're going to go above and beyond, amen? We're going to go above and beyond because Planned Parenthood the organization that helps kills babies is funded by the government, but the organization Karis that gives pregnant women ultrasounds, gives them alternatives, is not funded by the government. I mean, come on, is the devil not a liar or what? Trying to get us to back down. And so I'm gonna ask that you would watch this video with what Keris is doing in mind. Then Ishmael, who leads this, his wife is a volunteer there at Karis. She's a medical assistant. She does the uh, free uh, ultrasounds because so often when the the mothers can just see the baby in the womb, it changes their perspective. As many of you are already having tears in your eyes when you see this. You can't even, the world, the media has blinded us. And when these mothers see it, you know, it it helps prevent the abortion. I want you to watch the video. It's touching. Then Ish is going to pray and we're going to repent for America and we're going to receive an offering to make a difference in this church. Amen? And that's why I wanted to do it during our prayer time because with the Spirit of God on you right now, don't you just feel compassion? Don't you just feel hurt for these children? 40 million. You know how many Hitler killed and we call him the worst of all all the human race? He killed 10 million people. 40 million, watch this video. It will encourage you that we can make a difference.
3: I came to Carvis for a pregnancy test five months ago and found out that I was pregnant. For some reason, I just knew I was pregnant. Without saying a word, I'm sure my face described exactly how I felt. I couldn't believe that this happened to me. I was not going to have the baby. I was not working. I was behind on rent and bills were stacking up. I was skeptical about my ability as a parent.
1: This was not planned and I never even thought about being a mom. I was very scared. This is how most young girls walk into our clinics feeling, as if they have no options. As a teenager, I was faced with an unwanted pregnancy, so I know firsthand how these girls come to Keras feeling.
0: My involvement with Keras has given me a deeper look at how many ways women struggle in this state of unplanned pregnancy.
4: Mary and I have been blessed with seven children, and it grieves me to think that any young woman would have to go through the experience of
3: dealing with an unplanned pregnancy someone to go to for good loving counsel but working at caris gave me a firsthand sense of the passion and the desire of everyone on staff i came to caris with so many doubts but after attending just two of the sessions i realized that it didn't have to be as hard as i was making it out to be because women in my situation were making it work I came to Karis unsure about the baby until my counselor, Karen, introduced me to the New Beginning Support Group. I came the first day and never stopped coming. Karis was a vessel in which God showed me his grace. Through Karis, God enables me to offer encouragement, prayer, and discipleship to young women facing unplanned pregnancy. As I've gotten to know those who are Karis, I've been encouraged and inspired by their love for the Lord and for those they serve.
1: We are involved because we believe that God passionately cares about the lives of the unborn and the mothers who experience the trauma of an unexpected pregnancy. I am passionate for the ministry because I see how God uses Karis to minister in a hands-on way to women involved.
3: Through Charis, I was able to hear the truth, and that is that Jesus came to set the captives free. Through their post-abortion counseling, I was able to accept Christ's forgiveness for my past decision to abort my child.
2: We are hoping to be able to connect these single moms to the church while providing a much-needed service.
1: Ultrasound is one of the greatest technologies we have. It gives us a window to the womb. When clients see their babies, they're often moved to tears because of the reality of the life within them.
3: Karis gave me my first ultrasound. It wasn't until I saw her for the first time in the ultrasound that I truly realized this is
1: a life. Being able to pray that Karis' message changes someone's life, and then being able to see the reality of that prayer is truly a blessing. I went from scared and helpless to empowered and
3: confident. Now I am more confident than ever that I will make a great mother.
1: I'm now looking towards the future with confidence.
3: Each individual can make a difference in another life.
1: God has used Karis to, us to stretch my faith, to strengthen my resolve, and to broaden my understanding of the scope of
3: Karis is a voice for God's compassion and commitment to all parties involved in an unplanned pregnancy. The woman, the baby, and the others whose lives are touched by the pregnancy. I am Karis.
1: I am Karis.
3: I am Karis. I am Karis. I am Karis. I am Karis. I am 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 Karis. We
2: are carries. Amen can we bless the Lord for this organization Amen. Would you stand up with me now we're going to pray in solidarity. That means as one in unity, for our nation. And let me share this with you as issue. would you please come? We need to repent for our nation's sin. Do we not need to repent for this grievous sin? Amen. If you've committed an abortion, God will forgive you. He's forgiven me of egregious sins as well. But as a nation, we need to repent of this. And we need to tell God we're sorry. And I want to encourage you. When you vote, I can't tell you who to vote for. But I'll tell you what. You better know their stance on this subject right here. Because God's going to hold you accountable for what we've done by putting these men into office that legalized this genocide. Are you listening? This is a genocide of children. We're not picketing. We're not angry with people. We're defending the weak. We're defending the child, okay? So just hear our heart today. Vote like a like you have a conscience. If you could go back into Nazi Germany, would you vote Hitler out? If you could, if, when they were still voting, they were once a democracy. If you were still voting, would you get them out? Come on, friends. We have a choice to make. Ishmael, you have two children, and he lost one in a miscarriage. And how many... Weeks was that child old in the miscarriage? He was 12 weeks. 12 weeks. And would you just stand up here? I want people to see you. At 12 weeks, we mourned with our brother because he lost his child. Not an embryo. Not a thing. If it's not a baby at 11 weeks, what is it? A thing? Come on. He, and when he lost his baby in a miscarriage, and some women have gone through this, Robin. He knew it was a life. And yet God has given him a heart to protect these children that can get aborted in our city at the same year, weeks old. Would you pray with us, brother, with that heart?
4: Dear Lord, in your wrath, remember mercy. Mercy. Forgive us, God. For selfishness. Self-centeredness. Forgive us, God. For the infanticide of so many. So many. There's so many, there's so many, there's so many. (laughs) Lord, this is a political stance. This isn't an argument. This is life we're talking about. You are the creator of life. And the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But you can't. To give life into the fullest, Lord. Lord, we repent. And as we repent, we receive your cares. We receive your grace. Pour it out on us, God! Pour it out on us, Lord! Lord, I pray for the mother I pray for the baby. You love them both. Lord, we stand for them. Change us in America. Change us in America. Change us. Do I have ten people? Do I have ten people here? Do I have ten people, ten righteous people here that will pray with me? Do I have ten that would pray with me? Do I have ten that would pray with me for this? Lord, change us. Change our hearts, God. We repent. Forgive us, Lord. We receive love. We receive grace and mercy. In Jesus' name.
2: Amen. You may be seated. Ish, would you stay up here? Berto, thank you. This is all that we ask you to do. Uh, did we already fill up those four seats? Or are they still? Okay, there's two more seats available if you want to come to the dinner uh, tomorrow. If you have a time, uh, it will be at 6 o'clock. Uh, we're, he'll give you the address, 630. 6 o'clock. He'll give you the address. The church is already pitching in money and we're just asking you to give a gift because the body of Christ is a lot of us working together. And if I could buy, buy, you know, Metro Praise money, we would do this in 30 seconds. You know, we just, we can't do it. That's why they're doing it and we're going to sow seed into that, that ministry. Amen. And so all you have to do, we're not taking up an offering now. All you have to do in the back at your convenience whenever make it out to Metro Praise and just put Karis. C-H- A-R-I-S, to whatever you want to give, and we'll give it to Karis tomorrow as one check. Amen. And I just want to ask Robin to come, and we're just going to pray for them because they represent us in this ministry every week. And maybe you could share with us what you do at the ministry so we can know how to pray for you.
3: Well, um, I started at like five years old doing the Walk for Life, which um, we raise money for the kids and walk 10 miles and raise money to save the, the, the babies and then they stopped that so then I started to do ultrasounds for the pregnant women that would come in and you could see like the change in their eyes like like if you're a mom if you see your unborn child just in your womb you're excited especially if you want the child but once you hear that heartbeat, it changes everything. And so we've seen people's eyes just open, like scales just fall, like life just come in. And just from hearing the heartbeat of their unborn child, and like, that's an amazing thing because you can't just do that anywhere. Like when you go to Planned Parenthood, they won't do an ultrasound for you. They won't show you your baby before they kill it. They will just say, you want this? And they'll just kill it. They'll vacuum it out. They'll cut it up inside you and vacuum it out. But no, Karis will have this awesome technology. They have to pay for it. But they'll do it for free and show you your child. Show you the hands, the feet, the spinal cord. They'll show you, and they'll show you their heartbeat. And that is what is so important. And that is what we need to keep up. Because we need to save the baby's lives. And if it wasn't for Kara saving all these babies' lives and changing the mother's hearts and people getting saved through this, then what would happen? So that's what I do.
2: Can can you guys just face me? We want to pray for you. Could some of the elders just come quickly around them? Uh, We're just going to pray for you right now. Father God, we thank you for the Lopez family and them representing us, God, uh, in this ministry. We pray that others who feel called and interested in helping this way will contact them. And Lord, you'll just give them a special grace and love. Lord, I've been to these Karis dinners. There's over 2,000 uh, Christians there, God, all doing their part. And I'm so proud, God, that we have people here that are doing it. So, God, give Ishmael strength and Robin strength. Nobody has free time laying around to waste. But, God, they make the sacrifice to give, God. And we support this financially. And we covenant with them in prayer to protect our unborn children. And Lord, thank you for the children you've given them and bless them and all that they do. In Jesus' name, can everybody say, Amen. Let's bless the Lord for these servants of God. Amen. we're going to put on some party music now because i do want to give you some time to greet would everybody just stand up and do me a favor everybody from this side will you meet somebody from this side and this side will you do it vice versa and make sure you say hi to the barbanentes over here who just got married came back from a long honeymoon i'm a little jealous come on god bless you guys Why don't you guys make it back to your seats? Yeah, take each other out for dinner, for lunch. Amen. Awesome. Wonderful. You could turn down the party music, Mon Frere. God bless you. How many happy to be in church today? Can I hear a woo-woo? Amen. Praise God. We're doing good things. And uh, we want to welcome you to our second service at Metro Praise, 11 a.m. Also have a 9 a.m. service for you. And uh, Wednesdays, we have midweek prayer meeting and Bible study and also programs for our youth and uh, children, which is called Royal Rangers and Impact. That's really cool. And do I got any elevators here? Elevate come on every friday doing it i hear some good reports man god is showing up so make sure you you guys keep coming out to friday nights god is doing so many good things here uh this uh not this wednesday but this month at the last wednesday of the month we're doing a harvest party here okay so the last last wednesday of the month bring your children come yourself you can dress up like moses i've dressed up like pharaoh before uh it's you know Nothing, nothing bad. Okay. We're not dressing up like Freddy Krueger or whatever. It doesn't necessarily have to be Christian, but if you can get your children to stay Christian themed, I think it will you know, be good for them. But it's basically just going to be a costume party, free gifts, lots of fun, a little bit of movie here, Christian movie, games in the parking lot. Want you guys to come and it's all F-R-E-E free. Can somebody say free? Amen. So it's October 26th at 7 p.m. Want to make sure you guys come out for that. And then the last Sunday of the month, we're going to do Bring a Friend Day. Okay, guess what we're going to do on Bring a Friend Day? Okay, we're going to bring a friend on Bring a Friend Day, right? Now you see all these empty chairs. Everybody go, oh. See, these empty chairs need some people to sit in them. They're representing our friends. They're representing our family. And I want you guys to invite somebody. Because if we all invited one person, this whole place would be filled. And guess what? That day we're going to give a special presentation about Jesus. It's going to be very simple but very powerful. So just tell them, say, you've got to come to this service. It's going to change your life. And then everybody gets candy. We're just going to give it out because I know I like candy. Any adults like candy? Amen. So we're just giving candy out because we're not going to let the devil out party us. Amen. Because there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because the Holy Ghost party don't. Amen. And you know where I got that from. I lived in New Orleans seven years. And whenever Mardi Gras would come, we would have Holy Ghost parties, man. People would get set free and love Jesus. So it's going to be exciting. And then every guest gets a special gift. So it's going to be cool for adults, something for children. We're going to make sure that they know they're special. So bring a friend day, October 30th, last Sunday. Please make sure you do that. And we're going to keep this vision up here every single week. Somebody say, loving God and loving people. Come on, look at your neighbor and give them one reason why you love them. If you don't know what to say, just say because God made you. Come on. Don't look awkward. Come on. Amen. I love you because you're beautiful. I love you because you're handsome. I love you because you're in church this morning. Come on. You know, we need to love people, especially the unborn, like we learned about today. And the way that we're going to love God and love people is by connecting everybody to the cross. Can somebody say connect? Amen. The way we want to do that is through life groups. Is anybody excited about life groups today? Woo! Come on. And in life groups, you got seven for adults meeting throughout the week, three for youth. You can get plugged into our seven steps to spiritual growth class where a leader will start to disciple you and give you the fund, uh, fundamentals of the faith. And you know the fundamentals are fun. Can everybody say fun? Dementals. Amen. See, it's fun. And you're going to be in the fundamental class by showing up at Life Group, home Bible studies, no pressure, come as you are, and they're very, very exciting. And we got them even for youth. And then if you're like, man, I'm so hungry for God after this, like you just ate this book up like it was an appetizer, here is the full meal, the filet mignon, our 201 class. Do I have any 201-ers in here today? Amen. Joe in the back. There he is. He's not ashamed. And uh, you know what? That means there's a lot more room for you guys to come. And it happens here Sunday morning, so we do Sunday school, but it's a class, and you got to go through the first one, and then everybody goes "Send, come on, so we teach you about the cross, you receive the cross, and then you go and share the cross and one of the ways you can do that is through evangelism on Saturday nights, Adopt a Block, the West Side, Saturday afternoons youth group on Fridays, volunteering volunteering throughout the week to evangelize on Wednesdays in the community there's always something good to be a part of because you want to go and change the world, and right now we believe if we can do this, we can see 100,000 disciples in this city with 50 churches and 500 around the world, if you believe it, will you stay to your feet in a state of pandemonium and shout hallelujah Woo, come on thank you jesus some of you are asking about how is wicker park please stay standing we want to receive the offering now uh wicker park is a new campus we started tuesdays in wicker park it's going well and you can check that out on the website and there's already people in discipleship class on the tuesday night so god is moving so don't wait around you can start even right now we are a church that lives to give Because God has given so much to us, we give it back to him. Because of your support, this church is now on its way to being debt-free, paying its bills, doing all that God has called us to do. I want to encourage you to keep being faithful. Those of us here is the ones that make the difference. We can't ask the people on the streets to do it. You know, you ever see those Christian guys out there in the white suits with their little buckets? I just feel so embarrassed that they feel they have to go and beg on the street. Or you ever see, you know, youth, God bless them, they should do good things. But, you know, when they have to bake off or they have to do a car wash, why should they have to do Just give it away. My heart is the church is not supported by bake-offs. It's not supported by, uh, you know, us uh, selling things. Everything that you get in the cafe goes right to our missions fund, by the way. That's why we call it Missions Cafe. Our church is supported by tithes and offerings. Can everybody say tithes? Can you say offerings? Thank you. We believe that when God gives us 100%, a 100% belongs to him. And he says out of obedience to give him back 10% in the offering. So it's already God. Some people say, I don't want to give my money. Well, you know what? When you can start creating brain cells and the ability to do the jobs that you get paid for, then you can call it your money. But how many know you're using your uh, the brain God gave you, the talents God gave you. So whose money really is it at the end of the day? It's God's. Amen. Whose church is this? God's. Whose car did you drive here today? God. See, everything belongs to God's. God and he asked 10% to come back as a tithe why does he do this because I believe for three reasons To break the love of money off of our hearts so that we will never love it So that we can store treasures in heaven so that we'll have be heavenly minded and not always think about our things down here And so that then we can change the world break greed store up treasures in heaven And by changing the world you can boast even today You can say, wow, my church is a part of Keras. I didn't even know that. Yeah, by you giving tithes and offerings, you're helping support Keras. You didn't even know that, but now you do. Because when we show up tomorrow with a Metro Praise check, guess who gave that check? Metro Praise. Are you all tracking with me? Because I don't know if you think pastor's a millionaire and I do everything here. I do nothing financially except this. That means everything that's done here is by the people and for the people. Amen. So we're just asking everybody, please be a consistent tither. And then would you consider joining with us to partner in our offerings? We have it in the back. It's a card. You can fill it out or just do it out of your heart. And simply $50 towards building fund. That way we can make up the debt that we need to pay on credit cards. And then $25 towards missions because we have right now 200 churches around the world in four different nations, our books and their languages, and they're called Metro Praises and we support them. So by giving extra to your tithe, you can help us change the world and sow up treasures for yourself in heaven amen amen let's pray father i thank you today for a giving church a happy church and lord i know many here may still be struggling in this economic hardship so we pray for you to bless our nation again We put our trust in you, not in the dollar bill. And Lord, we know that it's not a government that creates jobs, but it's your people. So we pray for ingenuity, creativity, and wisdom. And Lord, we pray for uh, favor and good decisions to be made by our government and our Congress. And that, Lord, you would bless this nation again. Make it a blessing, God, to the nations of the world. And, Lord, we pray for our missionaries in Nigeria, Nepal, Pakistan, and India, and the 200 churches they oversee to provide for them and protect them in their times of persecution and be with our servicemen and women who serve us overseas by protecting our freedoms as well. And, Lord, we just pray your prayer. One more time, that when we give, it's given back to us, pressed down, shaking together and running over. Make my life count for you, Jesus. I want to be a giver. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Can we say what Paul said on the count of three? One, two, three. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Will you come rejoicing as you give today? Thank you so much. Come on. Let's get excited today. Thank you. God is good. Thank you, Jesus. Man, can we give it up for the band today, just loving Jesus? Amen. You guys did awesome. Never want to take you all for granted. Would you open up your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1? And before and after service, we always have uh, giving um, boxes in the back, and you can give online at metropraise.org, even at our cafe, if you wanted to give through a card. And you can mark Iris uh, on there as well. Iris, I believe, is one of the girls that go to our church. Am I right? Isn't her name Iris, uh, Tina's daughter? Isis. I'm sorry. There we go. Okay, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Everybody say, now faith is. Okay, let's try that again. One, two, three. Now faith is. Today we're going to talk about faith. At this time, I have taken away the series, the, you know, the PowerPoints, and I'm just going on what God gives me to preach every single week. Uh, I don't come here with notes on these times right now. I'm just preaching what God has placed in my heart. Now, the advantage of the second service is I've already preached at the first service, so you guys, it's not gonna stumble as much as it did in the first. But I like to do this as a pastor from time to time because what it does is makes me dependent upon God to hear the word fresh again as a preacher. Because so many times when we do series, you know, on what's the purpose of life or God's plan for your family, you know, I'll spend weeks in advance just putting everything together, PowerPoints, videos, and so often it misses uh, what you may be going through at that moment, because all I've done is prepared months in advance. It has its place because that way you can track a series down and have all of these things clumped together and really work on those areas of your life. But for me as a preacher, sometimes I feel something different when I'm coming up to preach. Maybe I might be preaching about children, but in the spirit, before I got up here, I felt, you know, I need to preach about repentance or, you know, living holy and I can't change the subject. So having said that, This season of our services, I'm preaching what God gives me now. Everybody say now. Come on, somebody say ahora. Amen, Spanish for now. We are getting a now word. And the cool thing about now is that that's also the title of your message, Now Faith Is. I feel like God wants me to talk today about faith and the fundamental uh, basis of what faith is in the Christian's life. I think so many times we take faith for granted. We, th- we think we know what it is, but we really uh, consider faith more along the lines of wishful thinking. And I'm not talking about wishing today. Let me tell you the difference between wishing. When you uh, were growing up, you might have been like me, gone to Disney World or some little park, and you saw a little well of water, and somebody told you if you take a penny or a quarter and throw it in there, you can make a wish. What do we call those places? Wishing wells, right? And a lot of times when we talk about faith, people uh, substitute faith for wishing. You know, so they think about us as Christians that we're not working, we're not doing anything, we're lazy, and all we're doing is just wishing for something to change. You know, I'm wishing that things will get better. Faith is not wishing. Faith is not wishing. You could wish you can win the lottery today. You could wish you can become better looking. You could wish a whole lot of things. You can wish upon a stu- shooting star. That does not mean it's going to come to pass. As we study faith today, you're going to see it's not wishing, and it's not just placing your hope. Into a dream or to something you've come up with because we could call these things intuition or ambitions So you may say to yourself, you know, I have a dream that one day I'm going to own a corvette That's not faith. You may say one day, you know, I want to graduate from college That's not the faith that i'm talking about because even non-believers can have that even non-christians What we're going to talk about today is a faith that only belongs to the christian faith This only belongs to those who are in connection with the God of the Bible. If you're with me in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, somebody say, I'm there. Here it is, verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. The Greek word for faith is pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S, pistis, and it means to trust in God. Here, by the very definition of faith, you're learning it's not hopeful thinking and it's not ambition. It only belongs to the category of hope in God. And you might say, well, what about other faiths? What about people who put their faith in Allah, people who put their faith in Krishna? That doesn't apply here. That faith is not recognized according to the Bible. This faith that we're learning today is only faith when we're putting our hope and trust in God. So when I say I have faith in God, it's the God of the Bible. And when I say I have faith to have a good family or faith that uh, this church is going to be blessed, I am not putting my trust in my own intuition and I'm not just wishing for things to change. I am putting my hope and trust in God. Is everybody with me? So when we talk about today you having a blessed faith, a blessed family by faith, we're not talking about you just thinking what I can do to be a better mom. We're not just talking about what you can do if you're saying I need a job, I, I, I have faith to get a better job. We're not just talking about you going out and applying for jobs today. We're talking about things that you can't even see things that are not even able to be done in the natural world if you tried you never could do it by yourself this can only be accomplished by god and god in his uh, wisdom has made the connection between his miracle power which what we're calling the deeds he does by faith miracle power the only way we tap into it is by faith that's it You're not going to get into it by good works. You're not going to get into it just by simply being a moral person or showing up in church and thinking that faith is somehow going to be deposited into you or injected into you. Faith comes only by the Word of God. I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 10. I want you to see it very clearly, and then we'll go back to Hebrews. If you came to learn about faith, somebody say faith. Amen. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, I believe it's going to give you the key to how faith comes because has anybody ever heard this statement before i've lost my faith or i'm losing my faith or my faith is down you know i don't have a lot of faith how do you get faith when you lose it Do you go back to the lost and found and pick it up do you go buy it at a store for a dollar 99 a pound and say i'll take three pounds of faith today i'm going through some hard times Now, how do you get faith? Here's how you get it right here. Very simply. You don't get it by getting better education, by working harder. And all those things are good. And I'm going to explain it. I'm going to tie it together. But you have to understand, faith is not in itself the work of man. It is the gift of God. Look at it in verse 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. So we're going to put it in a very easy way to understand. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We're going to do this little nursery rhyme together like we're in Sunday school, okay? Just put a smile on your face. Some of you aren't smiling, okay? Now say it. One, two, three. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. So how does faith come? The word of God. Now let me ask you a question. If you're not hearing the word of God, can faith come? So think about this. Where does doubt come from? Not hearing the word of God. So when somebody says, Pastor, I need help with faith. Can I just say, okay, come on here. Close your eyes. Raise your hands. And I'm just going to take a step back and go, bam, receive faith. Whoa, did you get it? Yeah, I got it. Is that how you receive faith? Like I have a bucket of faith, I'm going to splash it on you. Or how about this, a cloth that has faith on it, and I'll sell it to you for $1.99 plus shipping and handling. And then you sleep with the cloth, you drink the holy water, and there's your faith. No, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So just track with me right here. If I'm going to have the biblical kind of faith, trust in God, I have to hear God's word. And if I'm not hearing God's word, then what am I living by? What is seen? What is seen? And so many times, those of us here, and and we should be rational beings, and I do believe that that we should work hard and study and, and do all of these wonderful things in our own effort, but so often when we do those things, we think, That that's all there is to life. It's going to work hard. I'm going to get an education. I'm going to teach my family right and wrong. And then at the end of the day, God's just going to bless me. And sometimes we think about God's power and God's blessing. It's just like the cherry on top of everything else you've done by yourself. So you pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You went to school. You got those good grades because you're just so smart. You got chosen to go to that great college. You worked even harder, and you graduated. And because you had a shining personality, you got that great job. And now because you work, you do all these things. And just at the end of the night, you're just going to say, Lord, just bless my life. And maybe you might just get a little promotion, and that's just God's little cherry on top. Boop. You've done everything else. You're so good. You're so strong. And here's all of your human effort, and here's God's little cherry on top. My friends, let me tell you right now, and I'll give away some of the message. Without faith, you can't do anything for God. You can't even tie your shoe for God without faith. I didn't say you couldn't tie your shoe for yourself. I'm saying you can't please God without faith. God is not looking for human effort in this relationship, so you're not in a religion. You're in a relationship with God and he's not asking you how good of a person you can be How much effort you can do how many things you can think of all of that God created for a reason Remember God created your mind. Remember God created your strength. Remember God created the tenacity all of those things God created it, but he wants you to learn beyond all of that Is what he wants you to do for him and it's going to only be by faith. Can somebody say amen? Just trust me. If you, don't, if you don't know about it yet, just trust me. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, and then we'll go back to Hebrews, and I'll tie it all together, and you'll see the Hall of Faith, like we see the Sports Hall of Fame, the Football Hall of Fame. You're going to see the Hall of Faith today, men that lived by faith. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. It says, we live by faith, not by sight. Why is it Christians... Should uh, Why are we commanded to live by faith, by things that we don't see, by things that we can't explain? Does God want us to be ignorant? Uh, you know, when you look at Christians throughout history, are they ignorant? Would you say Sir Isaac Newton was ignorant? Would you say that the men that, uh, you know, established all of our governments here in America, were these men ignorant, you know, Samuel Adams and all these? Were these men just uh, one, one, uh, one tool short of a tool, uh, toolbox here, you know? Come on, uh, a hamburger short of a Happy Meal? And that God's people are just make-believers? You know, we just come here, we just make-believe. I just make-believe about uh, what do we want to dream up today, guys. Well, let's think about uh, tooth fairies. Okay, how many believe in a tooth fairy? Well, I believe in a tooth fairy. I had a testimony that a tooth fairy uh, put a quarter under my bed last night. Well, who are you praying to today? What's your higher power? Well, I'm praying to Santa Claus. You know, I need, I need some Christmas presents today. You, you, is that what church is? You know, we're just Father, Son, Holy Ghost. It's just all make-believe. Not at all. I want you to go back now to Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to tie it all together. Everybody say, make it plain. Come on. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, is going to teach us all that we need to know. And from this foundation, we can move forward. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now pistis, now trust in God is being sure of what we hope for, what God has said. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So what has God said? I put faith in that. Did God say he's going to judge the world one day? I put faith in that. Did God say that he would save my family? I put faith in that. And then this is being certain, my trust in God is being certain of what I do not see. So when I worship God in spirit and in truth, do I do it with faith? Am I certain that even though I don't see God walking by sight, that God is hearing my prayers? You see, the life of faith is not trusting in yourself. This is the point. The life of faith is trusting in God. Now, right here, you might start to have some questions, and I'm so glad we have the Bible today and not Oprah Winfrey's talk show or the Reader's Digest. How many are glad you have the Bible in front of you? Because here it comes right now. But it says right here in verse 2, but in these, oh, excuse me, I'm in Hebrews chapter uh, 1. Let me get to Hebrews chapter 11. In verse 2, it says, This is what the ancients were commended for. So everybody who comes before Christ in this context is considered ancient, like Abraham, Moses, Noah. He says this is what they were commended for. And now look at verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Do you want to know the proof? that the writer of Hebrews gives us to chill out and stop trying to act like we're so smart and we're going to figure out God? Do you know the proof that he gives us to just get off our high horse with our cantaloupe-sized brain? The proof he gives us is the entire universe itself. The entire universe God created by his word. You might say, Pastor, well, you know, science has figured out all these different things and we figured out the Big Bang. Let me ask you a question. How did it bang? Bang. Where did the energy come from? Where did it go when it banged? How did it become organized? You see, I believe in a big bang. I just know who banged it. God said, let it happen. Bang, and it happened. You say, Pastor, that doesn't sound scientific. Let me just give you some evidence to this so you know that we can still use our minds. Francis Collins, the leader from appointment of obama to be over the entire genome project a multi-international project to discover and write out the entire gene code mapping the dna is a christian who wrote a book that god is the creator of the universe gives lectures at harvard do you think francis collins is pretty smart do you think he's smarter than your science teacher do you think he's smarter than you why do you think Francis Collins, who let out the gene code appointed by Obama, is still a Bible-believing Christian? Because he understands that even though the universe has all of this a complexity, all of this life, it cannot be explained by the universe itself. For example, if I'm looking at, say, a product like this, my phone, does the explanation of the phone and its creation come from the phone itself. No, because this phone to exist couldn't have come from itself. Is everybody tracking with me? I'm not trying to mess with your mind. Just follow with me. This is cosmology. This is the origin and the the argument from cause. This could not have caused itself to be. It had to have another cause. And for a long time, people were saying that the universe caused itself and that the universe is eternal one of these people that believed this was albert einstein because he did not want to believe in an actual finite time that the universe started to the point that even when his research started to counterdict this and we'll get you the uh, information if you want this is not just a preacher making it up on sunday when he began to do this he found out in his numbers that he had to change his numbers to fit in with his theory of an eternal universe but it was Edwin Hubble that brought, uh, that brought Albert Einstein out to his, his, um, his observatory, and Albert Einstein saw the red shift of stars, that stars were still going from us, that there was an explosion at one time that brought it all together, and it was going from us, and uh, Albert Einstein called called it, the cosmological constant, was the greatest failure of his academic career. And by being with Edwin Hubble, he renounced it and believed what we now consider to be the Big Bang. What's my point behind that? Your author, 2,000 years ago, wanting to teach you about faith, says, hey, hey, I know you want to try to figure your life out yourself. I know you want to try to get your job in order, your family in order, but let me just put you on chill for a little bit. You can't even figure out how you got here. So let's start with this. Did God create you? Do you believe it? Yes. Then trust him with everything else. I wish I had half a church to preach with me. First service did better. You all might be as many as if the first service did better. I'm trying to help you understand this. If God created the universe, he can get you a job. If God created the universe, he can help you find a spouse, single people. If God created the universe, he can take care of your family. So often we want to tell God how to do his job. And yet in all the brilliant minds of science, two things they still cannot figure out and I don't believe they ever will. Two things, the origin of life, how non-living things come into living things that has never been discovered and then how nothing can create something. They will never discover that and they never can. Life and creation belongs to God. Now here's the question, do you believe that? Because if you believe that, you're now believing the Bible. And now you're stepping into faith. This is the faith journey. That you're believing, even though you didn't see creation, you didn't see God say, let it be, let there be light, etc. in the beginning. But right now, you're going, yeah, I believe that. Now, if you believe that, You have, as the Bible says, a grain, uh, a, a faith the size of a mustard seed. And if you've never seen a mustard seed, it's like a pepper seed. If you've never seen a pepper seed, it's like the size of a ballpoint pen dot. If you just put a dot, that's the size of it. That's how much faith you have right now. And you might be saying, Pastor, I don't have a lot of faith, and I don't know what to do with it. The Bible says if you just have that much faith, you can move mountains in life. You can ask God for impossible situations, and they can change. And let me go down to verse 6, and then I'll start preaching the message. How many are enjoying the introduction today? Amen. You're enjoying the introduction? Second service? Come on. Cha-ching. We don't leave till 3. Praise God. Come on. (laughs) It's all quiet now. Verse 6. I'm like half kidding. Okay, here we go. Verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he what? exists how many are on that level right now you believe he exists Okay, he's the creator of the universe right now watch this you must believe that he exists and that he rewards Those who earnestly seek him So just digest that for a minute. Let's not move too fast. What is faith trusting in god? What does faith look faith look like being sure of what god said Hearing his word and saying I believe it. So if i'm losing faith, I need to go back to god's word, right? That's how faith comes now you're learning right here that faith is the way I please God. So if I don't have faith, I'm not pleasing God. So now think about the times you've doubted and then you said, God, prove it and then I'll believe. You know why God never proved it? Is because that doesn't please God. So you saying, God, oh man, I'm just struggling for a miracle right now. And if I just saw a miracle, then I would believe in miracles. How many ever saw a miracle come that way? No, you didn't. You know why you didn't? Because God never does a miracle to prove that he could do miracles through somebody that doesn't believe in miracles. You might see a miracle in somebody else's life because they're being rewarded for their faith. But the doubting person, the Bible says, receives nothing from God. And they should not expect to receive anything. You know why? Because they're double-minded. The Bible says the double-minded man is unstable and all they do, they should not expect to receive anything from God. I think some of you are doubting me on that. So just turn with me quickly to James so I can show you that the biggest reason why many of you are not seeing miracles is because you don't believe in miracles. But if you believed in miracles, you would start to see God rewards us with miracles. Look at James chapter 1. Look at James chapter 1 as he begins to talk about asking for wisdom. And wisdom comes from the word of God. It's it's the same understanding there. Look at uh, James chapter 1, verse 19. Excuse me, me, it's actually uh, further up. Going just right off the cuff here. Go to uh, verse 7. Look at this. Let's even go back to verse 5. Here we go, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should what? Ask God. So if you say I'm lacking faith, you should ask God for wisdom, which comes from the word of God, which gives you faith. Amen. Is everybody tracking with me here? Okay. I just want to make sure I'm not losing any of you. He should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But verse 6, here it comes. But when he asks... He must believe and not doubt. So if I'm doubting already, and I'm saying, God, I need some help to stop doubting. If I'm doubting that God can even get me out of my doubts, I should not expect to receive anything. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man, everybody say, that man. Come on, somebody say, that woman. Thank you, that woman should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Did I show you in the Scripture? Now, can you all say amen? Amen. Go back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I just had to show that to some of you. I just felt in my spirit somebody need to see that. So if I'm downy, what is the solution to my doubt? The Word of God. If I'm doubting the word of God, is there any solution to that? There is no solution to that. That is the free will God gives you. He will not force you to believe. He will not manipulate you to believe. This is as good as it gets for everybody in this room and for everybody on the planet. God's word. How did the world get here, Pastor? Well, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, I don't believe that. Well, I'm let me read it to you again. God said, I don't believe it. Nothing I can do for you. Nothing I can do for you don't believe in the God of the Bible and you're saying you want evidence outside of the God of the Bible He doesn't move outside of the God of the Bible. That's because he's the God of the Bible is everybody with me So you say I want to go get evidence for God outside of the Bible to prove the God of the Bible never will happen God actually says he will frustrate you in that journey. He will actually blind you in that journey The Bible says he will frustrate the wisdom of this age and bring it to nothing God cannot be proven by things in this world. These things do not prove God. God is proven by himself and his word. Now, as a person who studies the word, can I see the world like I can see this iPhone and go, well, this has a creator. I can learn things about this creator. The creator likes technology. Yes, I can learn things. I can look at the tree and I can say, well, the tree is beautiful. Our creator enjoys beautiful things. But you can only go so far with nature. Nature can never bring you to an intimate knowledge of who your God is. That only comes by His Word. Now go back up here to verse 3 in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So today... I want you right now on your notes, in your mind, write down three things in your life that God wants you to have faith for or that you need that you're not seeing and you know that faith is the only way there. Healing, restoration in your family, separation from the world, holiness. I want you to write out three miracles that you're needing in your life today because I want to teach you how to have faith for a miracle. I believe in a God that does miracles. Does anybody believe that? If you doubt it, what are you supposed to look at? The universe, who God made that. Did God make the universe? Can God make a new limb? Can God grow out a limb? Do you know in the Azusa Street revival in the 1900s, there was a man from a tractor accident, had lost his arm. He went up for prayer, witnessed by people, journaled into the history books that they watched God grow out a limb in front of the people. In front of the people. Do you know that I have friends that work in a ministry in Mozambique? It's called Iris Ministry. They have seen over 30 people raised from the dead in the places where they've preached. They actually have videos, they can see it on YouTube, of death ears opening while they're placing their hand on death ears. Do you know that I have videos of when we were in India and we saw exorcism of demons come out of people's lives? You see, I still believe in miracles. The question is, do you believe in miracles? How about the miracles of finances? How about the miracles of a family getting saved? Do you know that my mother prayed for me for seven years that I would come back to the Lord, and it was my mother that I called to bring me to a mental hospital, and it was my mother who led me to the Lord at the kitchen table November 5th, 1995. That was something she never could have done by herself, never could have imagined it happening that way, but she had faith, trust in God in what wasn't seen, but she was hopeful and sure it was going to happen because she believed that God existed and that he rewards those who seek him. Today, you've got to have faith in God, my friends. And for those of you who say, well, nothing that I need can come from God. I can do it all on my own. Then you're not dreaming big enough. If your biggest dream is you just want to have a house and have a couple kids, you're not dreaming big enough. You're not thinking about your kid's future. You're not thinking about the destiny God has for you to change the world and to make a difference in people's lives. You're dreaming a little selfish dream. Ask God for heavenly dreams, and it will scare you. You'll come back to him and say, God, this purpose is so big. i got to have faith to be the person you want me to be. You see, some of you right now saying, I can be a good father without God. I feel sorry for your kids. I'm going to say that again. Some of you say, I could be a good father without God. I feel sorry for your children. Because you can't be the kind of father that the Bible says you can be without God. You might be able to bring home the bacon, sir. You might be able to tell some lullabies. But you ain't going to be able to guard their soul from the wicked one, the sin, the temptation of this world. You won't be able to shape their conscience and make them the people that that God wants them to be unless you have God on your side. I remember my mother coming into my house, I mean in my bedroom, saying... I smell you got drugs on you, and I hadn't done drugs since the night before. And I did—I I changed. I didn't change my clothes, but I would spray myself down. She said I could smell drugs, and, and she would look all over and she couldn't find anything. I said I got her now. I got her now. And my mom, she went to one of my one of my pant, uh, pants. She went right like this, and she found marijuana right here in a little bit of my pocket. I said, How in the world did you know to go look in my pocket? She said, God told me. You see, my friends, you can't be the type of parent God wants you to be without God. You can't protect them. I have I have right now uh, an uncle that has a child that's so depressed that won't even leave the house. Are you listening to me? Living out in Hiawatha Park in a half a million dollar home, working corporate job. I'm going to tell you, you can't keep your family together without God. You can bring in all the toys. You can bring in all the house. But it's God who builds the family, my friends. How many how many marriages are falling apart because God can't keep the husband satisfied or the wife satisfied? You see, what God joins together, let no man tear apart. Let me tell you why you've been divorced. Let me tell you why things got broke, busted, and disgusted up in your life. It's because God was not the center of that marriage. And if you had a problem and you didn't work with it, that's your fault. If you were doing the right thing, you were trusting God, God's got better for you, honey. Hold on to Jesus, amen. I'll preach to the wall. Somebody say amen. Come on, here it is. Now, you want to know what to do by faith? Here some things that you can't do without faith. Let's start with the first one. I love the Bible. Verse 4. By faith. Come on, somebody say, by faith. Thank you. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. Oh, Lord have mercy. I don't even think you all got this right here. Look at your Bible. The first testimony... Y'all got to get this. I love the Bible. I didn't write this, by the way, but I love it. Amen. How many know the pastor didn't write the Bible? Okay, but I love the Bible. Here it is. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. The first example that your Bible gives about how to live by faith—something that's impossible to do on your own—you've got to trust God, see things, I believe God that He's going to do things you cannot see. Has to deal with what you're giving money in the offering. I should just stop it right there. you all just going to let me hang on this. Somebody say amen. You and I, when we sow seed into the offering, we don't see what it's doing. Y'all don't follow us into the back, into the church account. You don't see God building a mansion for you to have. But didn't he say, I go away to prepare a place for you? Didn't the Bible say that? That where I am, you may be also store for yourselves treasures and have. But you know what? People don't have faith. People don't have faith and therefore they don't please god and they don't give to the lord like abel gave to the lord You know why abel was blessed and cain wasn't because he gave the better offering Now, let me just encourage those of you here that may not have a lot of offering you're thinking man I don't know. Maybe god's gonna judge my two dollars. You know what god judges the best. That's it Are you giving your best? Did you give your best? Did you give your best? Did I give my best? See, God knows what your best is. And the problem was when Cain showed up that day, he gave God second best. And what that probably looked like in all reality, Cain was a farmer and uh, Abel took care of livestock. So here Cain, he brings to to God the leftover fruit that he didn't want to eat, the stale stuff. This is the way I imagine it. He brought to God those leftover corn that were dirty and all stale. He brought it to God. But you know what Abel did? Abel went, and he looked out the best. He said, which one, if I had a king or a governor at my house, which one would I want to give to him? Which one would I want as the best? And he looks around, and he finds the best, and he says, that is the one I'm going to give to God. The Bible says that the first murder in the book of Genesis was over jealousy of one man giving an offering acceptable to God and the other one being cursed. Do you think it's any coincidence that the first example of faith that you and I get has to do with our finances? Do you know why that is? It's because God is teaching us, don't love money. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and end his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. God is trying to break the poverty spirit off of us. He said, I created the universe. I know where the jobs are. Be faithful with your offering. But I can't see it. God, I don't see how you're going to bless me. Have faith in me, and I'll do it. That's faith faith is saying I don't see it, but I know God can do it Look at the next example by faith. Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death He could not be found because he had been taken away for before he was taken. He was commended as one who pleased God Do you know that Enoch in the Bible? There's only two men that have never died Enoch and Elijah and we believe in the book of Revelation They're going to be the final witnesses Do you know that in the Bible? Enoch pleased the Lord so much that God took him directly to heaven. How did he live a life that pleasing to God? By faith. Now, I want you to take on your notes right now three things in your life that you struggle with that you think you can never stop doing. You can never stop smoking. You can never stop cursing. You can never stop being bitter towards your enemies. You can never stop, uh, you know, looking at pornography. Never stop fighting. Write down three things in your notes right now that no matter how much you've tried, New Year's resolutions, you cannot stop. Can I give you some encouragement as you're writing them down? By faith, you can by faith in god right now you can when people look at me they say pastor You sure did good for yourself. You know my friends who knew me back in the day They're like man. You used to do drugs. You were crazy. I was a high school dropout when I mean, you did so good for yourself You know, the best I did for myself was become a high school dropout arrested eight times. That's what I did for myself You know what jesus did for me the day? I accepted my lord and savior into my heart by faith that day set me free from drugs and alcohol I haven't touched it in 16 years 16 years. And then how about things that nobody knows about deep inside my heart? It's by faith that God keeps me pure from pornography, anger, and jealousy. It's by faith we live morally pure lives. How are you doing living a moral life right now? When was the last time you lied? And Don't lie right now. Let's be honest. When was the last time you took an hour lunch and you were only supposed to have a half hour? When was the last time you, you came in late and actually said you were there on time? When was the last time you fudged numbers on your taxes? When was the last time you took something that didn't belong to you? When was the last time you told somebody something that wasn't true to benefit yourself? That's just lying. How about this one? When was the last time you put something before God? God says, I go first before everything. When was the last time you let something get before your prayer time, your Bible reading time? When was the last time you put God on the back but didn't show up to church for a few weeks so you could do these other things? How about this one? Covetousness. How are you doing on coveting? You ever seen something that somebody else has and say, I deserve that. I want that. I look at those shoes. I need those shoes. I need that house. I should get that promotion. Covetousness. How about obeying your parents, young people? You're doing pretty good. You're perfect at that. We need to get you the star. I'm a perfect child. Obeying your parents. Four. How many have I gone through? Four. Lying, stealing, coveting, and putting God before things. My friends, you and I cannot live this kind of Christian life without God. As a matter of fact, let me tell you a story. The Bible says a rich man came to Jesus, and he goes, Jesus, I want to inherit heaven. I want to go there. What do I have to do? Jesus said, really, just give the commandments. He said, oh, that's so good. I'm doing great at that. And then Jesus said, oh, let me remind you of something. You need to sell everything you have and give it to the poor. You know why? Because the rich man loved money. And God was saying, nothing comes before God. And so for this man to get right with God, God was saying, give it all up. You know what the Bible says? That rich man walked away sad. He stayed a rich man, but he lost his soul. He lost his soul before God. Isn't that sad? Now, at that moment, imagine you're one of the disciples, okay? So we've come to church. We're all up here, you know, and I'm like being like Jesus. And everybody comes up, how many want to go to heaven? You all come up, and then I'm talking to people. Hey, you want to go to heaven? Yeah, I want to go to heaven. Okay, sell everything you have and come follow me for three years. All of a sudden, you're looking at that example like, that's extreme. That I don't know if they could ever do this. The disciples look at Jesus and go, Jesus, uh, we're a little scared now because uh, you just told that guy if you didn't sell everything, you're going to go to heaven. Yeah, I mean, what's going on? Does Jesus back down and go, well, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, it's kind of hard sometimes. You know what Jesus says? Jesus says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go to heaven. Now Peter is freaked out. Peter looks at Jesus and goes, God, can I even be saved? And then Peter, uh, God, Jesus looks at Peter and says, with man it is impossible, but with God it is possible. You see, if you're going to be honest, if you're going to be honest, and we're going to talk about morals in this place, and we're going to talk about the depths of your heart like how Enoch lived holy and pure before God, you and I, if we're honest, are going to come to a place and we're going to say, you know what, Pastor, it's, it's going to be impossible for me to do this because, you know, nobody's perfect, and and, and I'm, I, I've i been born like this, and people around me do this, and, and it's really sin is so tempting sometimes because it's so pleasurable. It's going to be impossible. God goes, now you got it. You got it now. Living holy is impossible. But guess what? You're going to do it by faith. You're not going to put trust in yourself. You're going to put trust in me and what you don't see and what you can't do. He said, I'm going to do what's impossible with you is possible with me. Somebody say, "Amen." one last one before we have to leave here. Look at uh, verse eight. I'm skipping over Noah intentionally because his righteousness is similar to Enoch. But look at verse eight with Abraham by faith. Abraham. When he was called to go to a place, he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went. Everybody say obeyed. He obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Remember I was going to show you, you couldn't even tie your shoes for God without having faith. Uh, let me make this illustration really clear right now. Does anybody know what tomorrow holds for them in entirety? Could you draw at me 24 hours of your day tomorrow? Uh, I am shocked. You'd think I wouldn't because I'm a pastor and I watch the news. But I am shocked continually of how people die in this city. I'm just like, whoa, That really? A woman getting on to the bus. The bus doesn't see her. Sideswipes her, kills her. Chicago bus. Just getting on the bus. Didn't see her. Boom, gone. You're, you're done. Life's over. You see, my friends, we don't know where we're going. You don't know what 20 minutes has for you. You don't know what your life, you think you know what your life looks like? three years from now take all of your planning and then burn it into fire take the dust and go because that's what it looks like before god just ashes my friend your plans you, you the bible says go ahead and make your plans but god just sits and laughs that's what the bible says he sits and laughs well i'm gonna do this this and this <laughs> oh yeah really i was in bible college i'm gonna be married by him 25 oh yeah angels listen to this guy he's gonna be married but by... yeah right yeah sure keep dreaming Start this church. Oh yeah, we're going to be a thousand. We'll have a thousand members at least by the second year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> look at this. Yeah, right. We're going to string you out and suffer you for a while? You want to suffer? Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, we just we just, in our brain. You know, we we think we can put stuff together. You know, we think we're so smart. And yet, I go to funerals and I don't usually. You know, it's hardly ever. You go to a funeral and everybody's like, "Yeah, we expected it. Yeah, oh, I expect you expected. Yeah, we're all we're all okay." Come on. We don't even know what life holds. And I look at the story of Abraham to comfort you in faith. Abraham heard God's voice. And God said, I want you to leave your family. And I want you to go to a place that you've never been. You don't even know what it looks like. And you don't even know how to get there. And every day I'm going to tell you to take a left, take a right, take a left, take a right. And how many steps. And that's how I want you to get there. You'll know when you get there. But I've never been there before. But I'll tell you when you get there. And the Bible says Abraham was commended for that. Because he got up and he left his family and he said, I'm going to go where God tells me to go. That became the nation of Israel. And I want to encourage you today. You're thinking that your life sometimes is out of control because you can't see tomorrow. But I'm going to tell you by faith, you can have a trust in your heart that God sees tomorrow. You know that God never learns anything. Sometimes we think God learns something. Maybe you got up this morning. You're like, we're going to wear this shirt or that shirt. And then you pick this shirt. You're like, how God say I'm picking this shirt. God already knew you were going to pick that shirt. Okay. God knew you were going to pick that shirt. Okay, and he couldn't help you either. He tried to get you to stop, but that's okay. You know, and and hairdos and all that stuff, we're not going there right now. God sees it, but God says, "Will they trust me. See, God already knows our life. I could tell you like this if you have time to think about it in closing. You see, when a chess player plays, what makes chess such an, a complicated game, and people like the reason why people like me don't like it because it's all complex, is that when chess players play, that they're able in their mind to think every reactionary move to their first action. So they say, if I move here, then this guy has four potential moves. Then if I move from that point, there's another 16. And before you know it, it becomes more potential moves than there are known atoms in the universe. That's how complex the game can get very quickly. I'm going to say that again. Because of moves and it, getting, uh, it, it builds on itself. More mole- uh, like molecules, all of this, there's more moves in chess mathematically than there are molecules in the known universe because it basically starts bordering on infinite. That if I do this, he'll do this, this has happened. The Bible says by his foreknowledge he chooses us. As long as God has ever known himself, and that's a pretty long time, he's always known us and he's known everything here. And when God looks at our lives and this creation, he's played out the entire thing. If they're in this situation, they'll make this decision. If they're in this situation, they'll make this decision. It will affect their kids this way and then their kids after them. He's done it for the entire human race from go. At the moment he created Adam and Eve, he was already the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. I'm going to say that again before Adam and Eve ever sinned and knew they needed a savior at creation He already said I know I'm going to create these guys They're going to mess up and I'm going to have to go And at that moment we want to say aha, aha I caught you God You see you know all of this and you don't stop it That's your fault and we should blame it on you And God goes no now you're understanding I wanted created beings that live by faith Would you stand up? Come on would you stand up? Come on man Amen He says I want beings that live by faith Faith As we're going and closing right now I want you to look at 1 Peter 1 Peter and let it encourage you I didn't even get to preach all the message in the last service But I want to encourage you with this today 1 Peter chapter 1 Gives us hope In the midst of our trials And I want to encourage you with this today I'm not making light of your trials or the troubles that come upon you But God is in control and faith in him matters My friends Chapter 1 Of the book of 1 Peter. This is what he says. He says in verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you have had to suffer grief. In all kinds of trials. Has anybody had trials in this life? Come on things that you're just like man why did this go wrong? I didn't think this was going to get this bad. How many have had times in life where just you suffer grief? You ever gone through a situation where it just feels like life just punches you in the gut and just takes the breath out of your lungs. Watch. Verse 7. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is res- revealed. Everybody say this with me. Everything is Father-filtered. By faith, I believe that everything is Father-filtered. When that water comes out of that spout, it passes through that filter. Everything in your life is passing through God's filter. And the way that He wants you to go through this time of grief and time of trials and tests in this world is by faith faith that says i don't see how it works out i don't know what my life looks like teenagers when i'm 30 years old i don't know what it looks like when i marry again i don't know what my children are going to be like when they're 40 but right now i'm trusting everything i go through is father filtered i put my faith in you Not in myself, not in wishful thinking like tossing a quarter to a wishing well. I put my faith in your word. You said me and my household will be saved. I put my faith in you, even though my children may be acting crazy right now. You said that I would be blessed to be a blessing. I put my faith in you, even though I got fired and I've lost my job and the economy's going downhill. I put my faith in you, that you said by your stripes I am healed, even though the doctor said I can't be healed. I put my faith in you. God, I trust you when I do not see. I don't live by sight. I live by faith. I believe that you exist. And you will reward those who seek you. He will reward you. You have got to determine in your heart today, I'm not going to doubt. You might say, I have doubts, that's normal. Let me tell you, doubt your doubts today. Doubt your doubt. Say, oh, why am I doubting? God already promised this. Put your trust in God. He created the universe that even the greatest scientist still can't explain. He knows your heart. He can put you back together again. He can heal you. He said to Jeremiah, I created you with a plan and a purpose. God knows the days before they ever started. He said in Psalms 139, He's counted out all your days and written them in a book. And if you were to take His thoughts and try to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand in the sea. Jesus is with you. He said He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Though you don't see Him, He's still with you. God is on your side. Keep the faith. When you get tired, keep the faith. When people leave you, keep the faith. When people say God has left you, like Job and his friends, keep the faith. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, which we don't have time to get to, Therefore, seeing you are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, you're surrounded by Peter and his testimony, you're surrounded by Moses, you're surrounded by Noah, seeing you're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race that has been set before us and look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who's for the joy set before Him, endured the cross, the why is the shame sat down at the right hand of God? You know who started this faith? You know who started it? Jesus started it. And you know who's going to finish it in you? God's going to finish it. He'll finish the work in your family. He'll finish the work in your character. He'll finish the work in this nation. He'll finish the work in the world when He comes again. The question is, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith in our hearts? trusting Him. And He'll say unto us that day, Well done! my good and faithful servant father we thank you today that by your word faith comes we choose today to keep faith come on somebody just raise up your hands and say lord i choose to keep faith come on altar workers would you come please because some might need the prayer of faith today come on just say lord i'm going to keep the faith The Bible says some have shipwrecked their faith. They've given up their faith. Come on, you've heard the Word of God today. Faith is coming to your situation by the Word. The promises of God are yes and amen for you today. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Don't grow weary. Don't give up today. Let God pick you up. Let God heal you. Let God strengthen you. We're going to close out in prayer and open these altars. If you need to come, you can come even now. But we're going to close out by singing a song and praying. But let me dismiss in prayer first. Let me encourage you as you hear my voice. It may not make sense, but God always is there with you. That is faith. And it's not wishful thinking. It's in His Word. And if you're needing scriptures, email me or email your life group leaders. Do you know how many promises there are in the Bible? There's over a thousand of them. Promises not to fear. Promises that God is with We'll help you get the Word so that faith can come in your situation. But even before you go, if you need a prayer of faith, we are here for you. Lord, I thank you for this service today. I pray that all of us, God, would be honest. And if we're struggling, God, we'll get the prayer of faith. And that we'll look to your word to give us faith. And Lord, I pray that each one of us will finish the race of faith. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Can you shout out, fight the good fight of faith? Amen. God bless you. If you have to go, please go and enjoy the day. We'll see you at Life Groups. But if you need prayer, we're going to pray for you up here. God bless you today.